Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Now for you, it could be something completely different that the Lord would, would increase your vocal cords to sing or maybe he would give you that, that one book or, or I don't know what it is, or for, but whatever that is or that piece of artwork or, or allow you to draw that or allow you to sing that or allow you to write that thing, whatever that is, that gift is that God has placed inside of you that you can offer up to him. And in offering that up to him will bring you that fulfillment, will complete your purpose and your mission until that day we seek after him and nothing else will truly satisfy. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again in the name of Jesus. And I want to, as we get started this morning, I want to offer you all the opportunity. Uh, we're doing a lot of things in our media department, and we are affecting lives all around the world. So I want to give all of our online community and the opportunity to give into our media department and affect people globally. I want to challenge you. I'm believing God for 500 people to give $100 or more by December 15th. That's 500 people to give $100 or more by December 15th of this year. Uh, be a part of that 500. And I'm praying for you, believe me. And uh, I'm praying for your families. And help us to increase the work of Jesus in this local fellowship. Amen. The network is changing. There's so much, so much, uh, so many other good programs that are coming. So I want to challenge all of you that are listening and watching from all around the world. Be a part of the 500, of the global 500, and give $100 or more. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. Amen. We love you guys so very much. Either way, we love you in Jesus' name. All right. Well, this morning, we're going to continue uh, in the message that we began on last week. I believe it's the will of the Lord that we do that. We want to continue with the subject entitled, Why Are You Hurting Me? This would be part number two. Why are you hurting me? Part number two. And as we said on last time, I want to bring some things back up to your remembrance. Um, that it is the pressure and pains of life that bring you into the presence of the Lord. And in the presence of the Lord, you are empowered to produce the promise. And that promise thing is what you're hoping for. That's that one central thing that you're hoping for, that you're believing God for. That one thing that, that when received is the connector for every other part of your life. There is one thing. You say, I need a lot of things. No, usually there is one thing. That one thing that is at your innermost core, your innermost being, that one thing that you've been crying out for, that one thing. Seek God for your one thing. For Hannah, it was the Samuel. What is your one thing? Seek God for that. So God has a pain, or rather God has a plan for your pain. God has a plan for your pain. We can also say that your pain has purpose. 
Your pain has a purpose. When your pain is orchestrated by God or is allowed by God, it has a purpose. It's not arbitrary. When pain is orchestrated by the devil, these things we can do warfare against and bind him and cast them away. But when God allows the pain, there is a purpose in it. And that pain will lead you into his presence. And in his presence, you will be empowered to receive your promise. Now, today, I want to talk to you. We're going to still go back into 1 Samuel. But today, the Lord brings me and brings to my awareness, and I want to bring this thing to you as well, that there are three enemies, three enemies that have come into our lives to hinder us from producing the promise. Three primary enemies that we'll see here in 1 Samuel that have come, that their job is to slay you, to stop you, to get you to release the promise so that you do not produce. There are three enemies. The first enemy you'll find is torment. Torment, or we can say persecution. Torment. That is, this enemy is here to embarrass you, to, to irritate you. This enemy is here to cause you to fret or to worry so that you will drop the promise. How many people have been slain by that enemy? The second enemy that we'll see today is the enemy of compromise. Settle. Settle. Things are, the, things are fine the way they are. You don't have to go through all this trouble. Just stop right where you are. Leave it alone. Settle. Compromise. How many enemies, or rather how many of us, have been slain by the enemy of compromise? The last enemy we'll see today, Lord willing, is the enemy of offense. An offense comes as a result of many times of misunderstanding. Misunderstanding. So there are three enemies that we'll see, Lord willing, today. If not today, then possibly next week. The Lord willing. I say the Lord willing because if he's willing, we'll do it. But we'll be faithful in Jesus' name to stand here and give him the opportunity to do so. So again, there are three enemies. You need to take note of this, make mental note of this, or make sure that you listen to it again. Three enemies that you will encounter before you produce. One, torment. Two, compromise. And three, offense. If you are successful, she would say, when you are successful to navigate these three enemies and to slay these three enemies, that these three, that these three enemies do not slay you, you will then enjoy the promise that God has given unto you. Let's go to verse number four. We're going to start here. First Samuel, the first chapter, verse number four. First Samuel, the uh, first chapter, verse four says this. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to uh, Paniah, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Look at verse number six. And her adversary, that's Paniah, being used of the devil right now. And her adversary also provoked, that means to bitterly irritate and embarrass, her adversary provoked her sore to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Look at verse number seven. And he, rather, and as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. 
provoked her. Think about poking. So she poked her year after year after year after year. So she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. So this is the enemy of torment designed to slay you, to stop you, so that you do not produce the promise, so that you never have the hoped for thing. There is a desire that God has placed on the inside of us. There is a desire, and the closer you get to God, the closer you get to him, the more you'll realize that there is one spot, there is one section of you that is actually missing. And it is that desire that God placed in you, that opening that he has left open, that he wants you to seek after him to fill it. Nothing else in life will work. Nothing else in his life will do except that one thing. And when that one thing is placed in your heart, you will find your balance. You will find equilibrium. You will find true joy. You will find, uh, you will find peace. No matter what's going on around you in the world, that world could be having famine. It could be mass hysteria. But on the inside, you have peace. You have peace, and the glory of God rests upon you. There's that one area in your life for many. I can't tell you. I mean, I can tell you my mind as I understand it, is to receive the power and walk in the glory of God. That's my desire to my innermost being. I'm not trying to be churchy. I'm not trying to say, oh, look at me. I, I don't really care about that. I'm telling you what mine is, what, what, it, what, what it all whittles down to is not money for me. It's not all that. It's about walking in the presence and the glory of God to have his manifest glory in my life. Now, for you, it could be something completely different that Lord would, would increase your vocal cords to sing. Or maybe he would give you that, that one book or, or I don't know what it is, or for, but whatever that is, or that piece of artwork, or, or allow you to draw that, or allow you to sing that, or allow you to write that thing. Whatever that is, that gift is that God has placed inside of you that you can offer up to him. And in offering that up to him will bring you that fulfillment, will complete your purpose and your mission until that day we seek after him and nothing else will truly satisfy. And this is what we see here in Hannah's life. So we see here that, uh, that year after year the enemy provoked her, tormented her. And remember this pain and this pressure God allowed to produce you or rather to get you in position to, so that you could be placed in the presence of God to be empowered to bring forth this thing. The pressure in your life, the pain in your life has brought you to a particular point because God has a purpose for it all. He has a purpose for it all. Look at verse number eight. Verse number eight says, then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why? Say why. why. Why weepest thou? And why? Say why. why. Why eatest thou not? And why? Say why. Why, why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Now, I love these three whys. Let's look at this again out of the New Living Translation. First Samuel verse 1 verse 8 says this. 
Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah, Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Notice how he is belittling the promise on the inside of her. He's belittling the extraordinary and trying to promote the ordinary. There's something great inside of Hannah, but Elkanah doesn't really understand. Because to the rest of the world, your burden is silent and your burden is invisible. They cannot understand what you are going through. Elkanah tried. Compromise. Let this go. You've got the nice house. You've got the nice job. You've had the respect of your peers. Why are you going through all of this trouble? Let it go. Hannah, settle. Just settle. Settle for something that is good. How many of us have been slain by that enemy of compromise? There's so much trouble. You know, if you keep going this way, they're going to embarrass you even more. Just let it go. Just let it go. Maybe you could have done that when you were younger, but you're older now. Just let it go. The time has passed. That devil is a liar. Just let it go. You're past your prime. Let it go. It's not going to happen for you. Just let it go. How many of us have settled and have been robbed of the great things that God has promised us? Remember, there are three enemies. The first enemy was torment as the enemy keeps poking at you, poking at you. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Causing you pain. Let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. You make it through that, and then all of a sudden, here's an opportunity to compromise. You don't get the job you want, but hey, you got this. Just let it go. Let it go. If you navigate through this, and again, Elkanah said, just because you don't have it, be satisfied with what you are. Nothing will satisfy you except you have that that thing that God has placed on the inside of your heart, that desire that he has created only for you to fulfill. Nothing else will ever, nothing else will ever do. Nothing else can fill that void. Not alcohol, not drugs, not relationships, not sex, not money. Nothing else will do except this one thing be fulfilled in your life. You live your days in being just normal, usual, ordinary. Can't be satisfied with that. So the enemy gives, um, and at this time, possibly working with Elkanah, he gives her an opportunity to compromise. And you will also receive the enemy, you will also receive the invitation of the enemy to compromise. He gave it to Jesus on what we call the Mount Temptation. Hey, just bow down and worship me. I'll give you all of this. I'll give you these cities. I'll give you all that. Why no? You're offering me cities when I own everything. I own it all. Compromise, Jesus. You don't have to go through the cross. You don't have to shed your blood. Just compromise. Settle for less. Just settle. 
Will you make it through settling? Will you make it through that enemy of settling? But still, there is a God-shaped void on the inside of us that we crave for. There is something, there is a craved-for thing in your life, and you must discover what your soul, what your spirit man is craving for. What are you craving for? People may, not ever, may, not, may never understand your burden until they actually see it. Your drive, your determination will be misunderstood. It will be misunderstood. But don't let people put out your fire. Never be ashamed for your drive. Never be ashamed for your determination. Never be ashamed for your hoped-for thing. Never be ashamed of your thirst. Never be ashamed of your hunger. I don't know why I feel like praying. I just, I just pray in the spirit all the time. I just pray in the spirit all the time. I just sing all the time. I just, something, I just got to do it. It's got to do it. Never be ashamed of that. Because it is the spirit of God that is wooing you into his presence. Others will not understand it. Don't expect them to understand it. They're not meant to understand it. There's something in you that's thirsting. Let's go to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. I love the way the psalmist says it here. Hold on. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. I receive your blessing. Bless you. Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2 says this. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Psalm 84 verse 2 reads like this. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Whatever that desire is that God's placed in you is rooted in him. The fulfillment is in him. It's always in him. Look at verse number nine. Let's go back to 1 Samuel, verse number nine. The Bible says here, so Hannah rose up. Okay, she passed both of those tests. She passed the torment. She passed the compromise. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. Now here's a warning. Your burden will often cause you not to eat. Your burden will often cause you, like I said, to miss a meal or it may cause you a relationship. It may cost you your job. It may cost you money. Your burden, if it's strong enough. And the stronger your desire, the stronger your need for this, the closer you are for delivery. The more the pain, I've never experienced it before, but I've been told, the, more, the closer the pains get in childbirth, the closer the pressure gets, the more the desire you receive to push, the closer you are to, to birthing this out. 
your pain, your pressure reach a point, uh, reach a crescendo. It, it reaches a zenith. When all of it comes together and you feel like I cannot take this anymore. That's actually the time of birthing. If you say, well, I can take it a little bit longer, you're not there yet. Sometimes unless you feel like you want to die, you're not there. This burden may cost you, but this burden that's on the inside of you cries out, and you'll actually feed from it when nothing else will supply. Let's go to John, John the fourth chapter, John 4, verse 31 says this, talking about Jesus sitting here at the well, John 4, verse 31 says this, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat, eat something, Jesus. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him all to eat? They didn't understand. They didn't understand. Verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. There's something else inside of me that this food Surely Jesus would eat later. Surely he would. But there was something else burning on the inside of him, something else that he had to do, something else. And until you have that burden, that desire on the inside of you, that, that you're willing to let everything else go to receive this, then you haven't quite lived yet. Life is just ordinary. It's just run of the meal for you. It's just get up in the morning, do a few things, go to work, get something to eat, come back home, get something to eat, go to bed, watch, watch a little TV, go to bed. It's just the same cycle all over again. Life is not worth living without a burden, without a desire from God, from your maker. And when that is fulfilled, when your purpose is fulfilled, then you can have peace to lay in your grave. Finally, peace. Oh, you're hearing. Let's go back to verse 9. I want you to see this. Now, uh, Eli, the very, the very last part of verse 9 says, Now Eli, the priest, sat upon, the, sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. So when Hannah rose up, she goes to the house of the Lord, and the Bible says that Eli was there sitting at a seat, sitting by the post or sitting by the door. It was Eli's job to watch who comes in and watch who goes out. It was his job to, to examine the sacrifice, to examine the worship, to examine the offerings. When you would come in to bring your sacrifice before the Lord, he would examine your, your sheep or your bull. He would make sure that it had no imperfections because these animals would be a, an example of what Jesus would come and what Jesus would do. He is a spotless lamb of God, so the, the, the sacrifices had to be spotless. It was his job to judge. And so as Hannah comes into the house, we're going to pick this up here. As Hannah comes to the house of verse number 10, she begins to pray. And the Bible says here, she was in bitterness of soul. And prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. In other words, I can't take this anymore. Her pain and pressure drove her into the presence of God. 
I can't take this anymore. Have you ever been there before? You realize, I can't do this anymore. The torment and pain, the prodding day in and day out, day in and day out. They're pushing you. They're tormenting you. They're persecuting you day in and, and day out. All you want to do is serve the Lord. They keep poking you and keep poking you and keep poking you. And then why don't you just stop this? Why don't you just stop that? They, I remember what Job's wife said to him. Why don't you just curse God and die? Just stop all of this. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go day in and day out and day in and day out but it's this pain and pressure that drives her into the very presence of the Lord and then she, as she's in the presence of the Lord she cries out before him in bitterness of soul I can't take this anymore it's either you give this thing to me or let me die something's gotta give Something's got to give. Verse number 11 says, and, and she vowed a vow, and this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time here today. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine, what? Handmaid. And remember me and not forget thine handmaid but will give unto thine handmaid a man child then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head that's a powerful prayer you don't know how powerful it is just yet but hang with me you will she uses the phrase, she calls herself handmaid three times, establishing this. I am your handmaid. What is a handmaid? A handmaid is a, is an, is a aid servant. It is a female slave. It is a maid. It is a con She is a, a concubine. One whose life is under the control of another. One whose life is under the control of a master. They own nothing. They live at the master's, for the master's pleasure. And in many cases in scripture, we will see this, that a handmaid is used to produce offspring for the master. Let's look at some of the, uh, one of the first uses of the word handmaid in the Bible. Let's pull on the law of first mention. Handmaid can also be rendered or referred to as maid servant. Handmaid or maid servant or simply maid. Some cases it can be referred to as a bond woman. Let's look at Genesis, Genesis 12, Genesis 12. Come on, take this journey with me. Genesis 12, verse number 14, talking about Abram and Sarah before the Lord changed their names further on down. Verse 12 of Genesis 12, verse 14 says, And it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. They beheld Sarah, that she was very beautiful. The princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. 
Pharaoh's princess or officer saw Sarah and said, bruh, she fine. She's fine. Because Abram had already said, if they ask me for you, honey, just tell them that you're my sister so they won't kill me. So these men see and bring her into uh, Pharaoh's house. And verse 16, and he entreated Abram. In other words, Pharaoh gave Abram some stuff. What did he give him? It says, uh, and he entreated Abraham well for her sake. And now listen to the things that Pharaoh gave Abraham, this sort of dowry or bride's price. He says, he had sheep and ox and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. As you see, in between all the livestock was the human stock. They were known as simply property. Listed with the animals were the people too. The maidservant was listed as property on the same level as livestock and cattle. Are you hearing? Genesis 16, verse number 2. Uh, Genesis 16 verse 2 says, And Sarai said to, unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram, and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Notice, this was the same Egyptian woman that she received from Egypt. This was Hagar. Notice she said, I can't have any children, but here is my slave girl. Here's my handmaid. Here's my maid. Here, you go into her. You go into her and have children by her. Let's look at one more. Let's go to Genesis, the 30th chapter, Genesis 30, in verse number three, because Rachel has the same conversation with Jacob. Let's look at this out of the Amplified Bible. Genesis 30, verse number three says, she said, here, take my maid, Billa, and go in to her. And when the baby comes, she shall deliver it while sitting on my knees, so that by her I may also have children to count as my own. She said, I'll have, she'll have the baby on my knees. In other words, Rachel was going to sit down in the chair or somewhere, and Billa would be delivering between her knees, simulating that the baby will be coming out of Rachel and not Billa. Yeah. Billa is just the vessel. When the baby comes out, the baby's is not Billa, it's Rachel's. When the baby comes out, it's not the servant girl, it's the mistress, it's the wife. The slave girl, the handmaid, has no rights here. The baby is not hers. Whatever is produced out of her belongs to the master. The slave girl, again, has no rights, has no, no legal recourse here. The baby belongs to the master legally, morally, ethically. That's how it is. Now, so we go back here once again to, to 1 Samuel, the first chapter, verse number 11. Look at the power of this verse. 
It says, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but let but uh, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord. That's exactly right. You will. Because as a handmaid, as a handmaid, that baby is not yours. He said, I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Now notice that. Hannah puts herself in position and says, Lord, before you I have no rights. I give everything that I am. I give my body to you. Use me for your glory. All that I am, I give to you. You have the preeminence in my life. She's making herself dependent upon him. And see, that's really, and as we begin to close, that's lost in our culture today. Because we want to be self-ruled. She's saying, you are my master. I am your slave girl. Use my body to bring forth your will. Use my body, use my influence, use all that I am to bring forth your will. And when it comes forth, it is yours, it is not mine. Let it be for your glory. But we keep falling for the same lie the devil told Adam and Eve in the very beginning. You can do this yourself. You can be like him without him. Just disobey God. You'll be like him without God. Be self-ruled. Be self-reliant. Still in today's modern day church, I mean, you see people really reacting to God like a, like a cell phone does. A cell phone is not meant to stay on permanent power. It's meant to charge up and then leave the charger. I've got all that I need now. I can go all about my day. But in fact, in the kingdom of God, we're meant to stay on charge. We're meant to, we're meant to be permanently plugged into him, continually feeling, being filled with his power day in and day out. Not meant to walk off. I got it. I don't need you anymore. She said, not a razor will come upon his head. That is, from birth, Samuel will be a Nazarite. Just like Samson was a Nazarite. Just like John the Baptist was a Nazarite. Nazarite characteristic of, of three things primarily. One, head unshaved. Two, you don't, eat, you don't drink wine. Don't drink any product uh, from the grape. Not even raisins or you don't drink any wine, anything like that. And thirdly, you don't touch or come in contact with any dead bodies. You see, after all this is over and we're closing, as we're um, closing, Hannah eats, but she does not drink. As she left the presence of the Lord, she already begins to walk out the vow of the Nazarite because her child, because of who she's carrying. She's carrying, she's not pregnant yet in the natural. She hasn't conceived in the natural. But this is very much still in her. She knows what she's carrying. Before the sonogram even takes place, she already knows she's carrying. And so she begins to walk like she's carrying. She's walking like it. 
Let me show you a few of the things that we're going to close out today. Notice again that Hannah is crying out, Lord, use me. I am your handmaid. I am your handmaid. Say that with me. I am your handmaid. Now notice that same terminology comes up also in Luke, the first chapter. Let's go to Luke. Luke, the first chapter, verse 38. Luke, the first chapter, verse 38. Notice how Mary, the mother of Jesus, says these words. And Mary said, behold, the what? The handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. Use me. Use me. Use me. And it is upon the handmaids that God will pour out in the last days. Acts the second chapter. Look at this. Acts the second chapter. As it, on the day of Pentecost, as they thought they were drunk. Acts second chapter verse 17 says this, and it shall come to pass in the last days, and you're living in the last days right now. It shall come to pass that in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall, shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18, and on my servants and on my handmaidens. I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Here's where you are right now. You want to carry the presence of God, the very power of God on everything that you do? Then you must become a spiritual handmaid or manservant. You must recognize that your life does not belong to you. It belongs to him. You must recognize that you have no rights, that you own nothing. When you put yourself in that position, when you've allowed the pain, enough pain and enough pressure to bring you into his presence, where you can pour this out honestly and sincerely before the Lord, I cannot do this without you. I am nothing without you. And if you don't give me this, then take me out of here. I cannot bear the, the torture and the pain of not doing this, of not having this. You pour out your heart before God. I am your handmaiden. I am your manservant. Then you leave that place. As Hannah walked out of that place. We'll talk about this next week, Lord willing. Walked out, walked out of that place with a smile on her face. And she went back eating. She had received from the Lord. Finally received finally received. I pray today that you'll make that confession. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now in the name of Jesus over your people that they would see that hoped for thing, that they would know what this, what their Samuel is, that they would know what is at the very core, their very core desire that will lead them into your presence. What is that core desire, that longed for thing in their lives? It is that that must be fulfilled. 
It is that thing that unless they receive it, they cannot live without. And Father, I pray for your sons. I pray for your daughters. I pray for your men servants and your handmaidens that they will pour out their lives before you, that you would use them greatly, that you would use them in an awesome way in these last and evil days. It is time to pour out your spirit. And Father, I pray that you will pour out your spirit upon your sons and your daughters, your manservants and your maidservants. Lord, that you would pour out upon them and that they shall prophesy. They shall prophesy. They shall prophesy. Use them, oh God. Use them. Use them. Use them to turn this world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that we would not allow, that your children, your people, would not allow ego and pride to stand in the way. And I pray, Father, that they would endure the torment, that they would not be slain by the enemy of torment, that they would not be slain by the enemy of compromise, that they would not be slain by the enemy of offense. And that finally, they were bring to fulfillment. That's Samuel. Holy Spirit, I pray for them. I pray that if they don't know what that area is in their lives, that you'd reveal that area to them. Everyone that has a, 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 a listening ear, I pray that you will let them know that one thing, that one connecting thing, that one piece that would set their whole world on fire. Father, I pray from this day forth, your people will never, ever be the same. We give you praise today in Jesus' mighty name. If you're in this house today or online and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, then, my friend, you are living a life with no destiny. A destiny unfulfilled is a humdrum, boring life with no fire, no passion. Until you connect with the source of all things, all else is really vanity. It's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. Jesus is the one who connects you right back to the source, right back to Father, to who you really are. So I, I pray today that if you don't know the Lord Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I pray that today that you will receive him. And the beginning of that is to start with this simple prayer. It is not the prayer that saves you. We say that every week. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's Jesus that saves you. But this prayer can help you start on your journey. It is the beginning of a conversation or the continuation of a conversation that God's been having with you. So let's just talk to him right now. Everyone in this room with me and everyone online, come on and let's, let's pray together. Let's, let's say to the Lord, Father, I come to you a sinner in need of a Savior. I admit that I have sinned, I have done wrong, and I ask you to forgive me and to wash me 
from all of my sins with the precious blood of Jesus. I believe in Jesus, in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. And I ask Jesus to come into my heart, to be my Lord, my Savior, my Master, and my King. Live in me. Help me to do the things you want me to do. And I'll serve you all the days of my life as you show me how. Today, I make confession that you are my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for saving me. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the evidence of a changed life. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God, my friends. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. This is the beginning of a new life for you. Now go to our website at kingdomrock.org and let us know of the, of the decision that you've made today so that we can be praying with you and give you any other resources that we possibly can. We love you guys and we look forward to being back with you all next week. See you soon. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.